Welcome to this episode of Expressive Programming, an exploration into programming as an art. Here I'll focus on programming, design, and development as an art form, and especially as a form of self-expression. We'll look at open source projects, the projects that I'm working on, the code that others have written, and focus on how that reflects what we feel, what we intend, and how we impact the world. Special thanks for all episodes go to Hacker Public Radio for helping me get this podcast off the ground, especially Enigma. And also a special thanks to Hot Bitch Arsenal. The band's website can be found at hotbitcharsenal.com for all their wonderful, inspiring, and moving creative comments music that they've allowed me to use. They're the cure for the uncommon melancholy. Now on to today's episode. I've expressed programming throughout the last 20 years or so, in which I had several after my visit, or rather stay in hospital, and I'm doing the best I can to just get everything put together and hopefully record it and edit it just halfway decent at least. Today's topic will be on computer programming as a science versus artistic expression versus problem solving. Now, a lot of courses will teach how to program. I've noticed this a lot in a lot of the trade schools and in the current, I guess, flock of programmers, especially, I hate to single you out, but Python programmers, where there is a way of doing things, a best practice, and if you don't follow the best practice, God forbid, well, 10 years ago, the best practices that we look at now weren't the best practices then. Um, Many of the languages we use now weren't around 10 years ago. Um, And still, many of the programmers I know today aren't even aware that you can do object-oriented programming using straight C. And yet, the kernel is built on object-oriented C. And that's not Objective-C or Valia, that's just C with an object-oriented approach. I'll save that for a future podcast. That's a little pet expression of mine. And I'll go into what that means and entails and examples of that in a future podcast. But what I'm talking about here is the idea of there being a way to do any given thing in programming or to create a program a certain way, whether that's user interface design, whether that's algorithmic programming, whether that's any area that you can think of. It seems nowadays with things like frameworks, um, 
whether you take it to the extreme where you think of something like rails or some of the more lightweight or even the heavyweight PHP frameworks or you take it to its far extreme of say a content management system there will be ways that you have to do something and ways of enforcing a standard or a coding practice um, Python does this from its very nature and as you get into formulaic methods of programming Python whether it be Python 9 or Python 9c various other methods that people have come up with standardizing a further restricted programming language they see a right and a wrong way of not only what to create but how to create it to me this is incredibly stifling and whereas I see the need for coding practices as in agreeing on how indentation should work where comments should go you know, obviously if you're going to make a pro project that's going to rely on Doxygen, you need your comments to be able to be interpreted so you're, you can end up with a manual that works that way. But to require the use of specific algorithms and say this is the best and only way to do it, or require the use of a certain module, say an XML parser, and say this is the only way or the best way to do it. Um, for example, floating state machines. There are hundreds, if not thousands, of floating state machines that are available. Um, now, to most would argue that the Perl regular expression library is probably the most advanced and the most useful, but yet we don't see the Unix POSIX regular expression getting replaced by it. Nor do we see simple string matching functions getting replaced by it. That's not the only way to accomplish that. We also see people continuing to develop and write their own floating state machines when it's not necessary. A few years ago, one would have argued that MD5 was the standard for encrypting any content you encrypted a password using SHA-1, you would have been seen as absurd in any project. MD5 was what you used. That was where you stored passwords in the database in. And now we're at a time where MD5 is almost laughable. It's not only a best practice, there are people scrambling to try to convert their databases to use something else. brought me to this is numerous, I don't know if it's tech pundits, but I also hear it from other developers, engineers, programmers involved in model-driven development, which I can understand the efficiency of model-driven development, develop a flowchart, out comes the code. But that removes any artistic expression. It removes the chance of making one iteration more efficient than the other. Whereas you may gain reliability. That's great for an embedded system of aircraft engine. In 
20 years when aircraft engines are running on different propulsions and different systems than we currently use, the code that's behind those models will need to be rewritten. And what happens when all the programmers are model-driven programmers? Well, <laughs> there will be a new batch needed, or as in the case of the Y2K bug, there will be a scramble for a bunch of old Cobalt programmers who can go back and, well in this case, program the C needed to fix what's behind the model-driven development. Same thing for domain-specific languages. I think it's awesome to develop a domain-specific language as long as you don't get stuck in the idea that once you come up with a way of solving a problem, that suddenly becomes the only way of solving a problem. I know many developers who use the same MySQL abstraction library that they've used for more than a decade. MySQL has changed enough that you should at least think of refactoring your code. If not, the fact that the programming language you're writing in has probably changed. And that goes for whether you're using C or PHP or Perl, less so in Python and Ruby as they're much newer languages. But I think there's a lot of restriction put on the idea of reevaluating your code and redoing code. A lot of people look down on recreating the will. Yeah, it's a will, it's round, it does what it needs. Use what's already there. Or in a more restrictive sense, my way or the highway. Many teachers from computer scientists to computer theorists to professors of artificial intelligence will profess the value of genetic algorithms. And the very nature of a genetic algorithm is that it changes itself. It grows and learns and can modify itself. Some of the code for genetic algorithms started with punch cards. And they are without a doubt beautiful and gorgeous, but go against the entire idea of there being a right way to do any one given thing. They're built on the very idea that there are constantly evolving, emerging, and developing ways that are better and improved over what previously was done. And again, as with all my episodes of expressive programming, except this time I'm trying to speak through a clouded esophagus, so I again apologize for any audio quality issues that are resulting from this episode. Um, I can't speak at length as I have for or speak as loudly without serious risk of health side effects. But as with all my episodes of Excessive Programming, this is an attempt to get the conversation started. So please visit the website at ubershikgeekchick.com where you'll find links to the page on Hacker Public Radio. You can email me at uberchick at ubershikgeekchick.com 
and I'd love to hear your opinions. Love to get the conversation started. What are your ideas on computer programming as a science? Can the scientific method be applied to create a programming rule set to say this is the rule for now until disproven? This is the best way to do it. Is that an acceptable way of doing algorithms and problem solving? Or is it better to, with each project, take a fresh perspective and rethink user interface, backend design, and the algorithms being used? Or is there some, is the approach you take more back, say, balanced middle, where your backend may change far less often than you, your user interface, or your user interface changes less often than the backend? Does this change when developing for desktop applications versus web applications? Obviously with the web development side, the technologies on the back end are evolving quickly, but much less so than the technologies on the front end. With Ajax and XHTML 2.0, XSLT, or HTML 5.0, um, JavaScript 2.0, numerous browsers, the user interface may evolve faster than the backend. But the problem with those technologies is they need to be handled by the backend. So are they now evolving at equal speeds or are you just hacking on something to the backend that, okay, now it accepts an Ajax response instead of just spouting back XHTML, or are you spouting back your standard XHTML and hoping JavaScript can parse it and use XPath to get it out? Is that the most efficient way? Does efficiency even matter to you anymore? To me, efficiency is one of the most beautiful things that can be accomplished with programming. To make something respond beautifully and elegantly in as few lines of code as possible is something I always have as a goal. It's not something I always succeed at and definitely not the first pass through, but it's always a goal. It's also a reason that C is still, to this day, one of my favorite programming languages. Now, this was not the topic I originally had intended for episode 6. I'd originally intended on episode 6 being on graphical user interface design, both web-based and desktop-based, and that's what I'll be covering in episode 7. I'll be covering a rapid application development environment for Linux called Gambus, which can be found at gambus.org, that's G-A-M-B-A-S dot O-R-G. I'll be obviously reviewing Glade 2 and Glade 3 to the extent that I find Glade 3 useful. I'll be di discussing a few other topics as well. I'll also be including a new segment. This will not be an open source or Linux news segment. This will be an open source standards and development news segment on 
what changes are happening in the languages we use, the tools we use, the releases of those projects, and the very nature of using open source tools as develop to develop and being an open source developer. I will also hopefully be doing episode number seven with a co-host, and I'm very excited about that. Um, due to medical issues that did not occur with episode 6, but that is one of the many changes that I've been working on. Um, there will also be a redesign of the website that more closely reflects the actual programming aspect of expressive programming, and I will also be highlighting more on the 3D engines. Like I said, this was originally intended for episode 6, but due to medical issues, unfortunately that did not occur. To be honest, I'm lucky to be getting this out at all, if I do on time. That said, I will also probably be discussing, hopefully with my co-host, what happens when real life gets in the ways of goals and programming. So in closing, Please, let's start the discussion, send an email, visit the Hacker Public Radio page, let's hear what everyone has to say, or of course, meet me in IRC. And until then, whatever obstacles you have to overcome, whatever roadblocks might be in your way, open up your IDE. Good luck and happy hacking. I hope that you've enjoyed this episode of Expressive Programming. If you'd like more information about me, my projects, my podcasts, or anything else, please feel free to visit my website at ubersheekgeekchick.com. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, please feel free to email me at feedback at ubersheekgeekchick.com. Warning, I'm flaky and I suck at email. I'm also a member of the phpwomen.org community. It's a wonderful place. Any women involved in development, please join us there. Also, another wonderful community that I'm involved in is devchicks.com. All development principles are welcome. Please come along. And lastly, I'm a proud member of both LinuxChick.com, that's Chick, C-H-I-C, and LinuxChicks.org, that's C-H-I-X, and there you'll find opinions and topics and anything you could want. So any women out there, please, you're not alone. Come join us. Lastly, I'm on Identica, Twitter, and on IRC Freenode server. As Uberchick, feel free to hop in, say hi, find me in a room, PM me, and I'll probably block you. Other than that, until next time, express yourself.
Thank you for listening to Hack Republic Radio. HPR is sponsored by caro.net, so head on over to caro.net for all your hosting needs.